I know uh, I'm not saying anything new, um, but you got to admit, there, there was this saying that said, may you live in interesting times, and I'm sick of living in interesting times. It's like my whole adulthood. Since I was in my early 20s, the 9-11, and then two 20-year wars, and uh, major market crashes, and oh, it's just craziness. And now we have this thing going on. Um, I don't think anyone can really wrap their head around this. Um, it's my first time being live since uh, this all broke out a couple weeks ago. We did a live episode with, if I remember, because it was just, what, what we did is just recorded it and put it out there. And it was uh, me and Jeremy Walton. Uh, we're going to call him Producer Jeremy. And then I just had a bunch of call-ins and people were kind of giving their their input. And I think that's important because, uh, you know, you put on the news, you hear the opinions of all these talking heads and um, they're just basically dictating what you're supposed to do and and how you're supposed to behave. And it's important to hear, you know, what the rest of us are thinking because we make up the majority of this country. Uh, I think it's very serious and that's coming from a medical perspective. Um, and I think we have to be smart and we have to be conscientious of our fellow citizens. And that's all I'll say about that. So, yeah. So I'm sitting here quarantined in my recording studio. And uh, the interview that we did is with Dan Santoro. He's with Pizza Strike. Uh, check him out on Instagram. Uh, all you have to do is put Pizza Strike in, in Google and I'll put some links in the show notes. And uh, it'll link you to all his stuff. He makes pretty much um, memes, comics, uh, patches, things like that. Uh, Air Force guy, B1, uh, what we call the Bone uh, Crew Chief. Had kind of an interesting career in the Air Force. He actually had the career that most of us <laughs> dreamed about. And and he, he might disagree with me with that. And and I, I get it because he was stuck in some podunk town in the middle of Texas. Um, but as far as joining the military with a goal in mind and, re- and reaching that goal and getting out on his own terms and, and all that stuff. I mean, it worked out perfect. And, and that's, that's, you know, we like to bitch and we like to complain and we, we always go back on the things that, that sucked about the military. Um, but it, it obviously has um, a tremendous impact on people's lives. And there is a lot of positive that you can get out of it. Um, we bitch and complain when we get out. And uh, at the same, in the same breath, we bitch and complain about how much we miss it. So um, we always talk out of both sides of our mouths, I guess, as veterans. But uh, he had a great experience and, and he got what he put into it. And I think that's kind of a refreshing story to hear. And when he got out, he didn't really fit the mold of the bro vet, you know, the bearded guy with an American flag hat, as I sit here with a a growing quarantine beard and a, um, uh, actually I'm wearing a Ranger Up t-shirt, so I'm bro-vetting it out right now. Uh, but he didn't really fit that mold and, um, he was very creative and he decided to come up with Pizza Strike. Um, 
this was also recorded way before uh, COVID was a, an issue. So we don't really even talk about that. And that's kind of refreshing in and of itself. So all in all, this is a very refreshing episode. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. We're, we're going to be doing more of these live things. They're not going to be episodes like you're getting now uh, on iTunes or wherever you access this. Uh, we're doing live stuff. And if you haven't heard or haven't seen any of these, go over to 21Gun on Facebook. It's just uh, Facebook slash the number 21. I, I get it. I always either write out 21 gun or I use the number 21 gun. I haven't been consistent and that screws everyone up. Uh, I apologize. But for the Facebook, it's slash 21 gun podcast. Um, for the website, write it out 21 gun podcast.net. So uh, if that isn't confusing enough, uh, head over to, to Facebook to the 21 gun page. We've been doing these live episodes. We did a live movie night uh, a couple nights ago. It was awesome. We had a couple thousand people show up. So that was cool. Um, I think that's that's it we're doing another one this wednesday night so i don't know what day that is probably let me look real quick well do this live wednesday is going to be april 1st so april fool's day uh around eight o'clock at night we're going to be doing a live episode and we're gonna have mike stojic from revival 1869 come on um, we're gonna have greg uh from <laughs> vilf man you always make me say that uh, and then, of course, Jeremy, we're going to talk about financially, what does this mean for us? Entrepreneurially, businessly, um, where where do we have to, what do we have to do to plan over the next uh, three to six months, maybe even a year? So that's going to be, that's going to be our mature uh, episode. That's going to be the one where we put our adult hats on and, and talk about what are some things that we should be doing um, not associated with our health, uh, associated with our financial health and stuff. So that'll be an interesting conversation. And I will put out um, some feelers on, on Facebook to see if anyone else wants to jump on and uh, chime in with whatever info they have. I might record it and put it out as a podcast. I don't know. I kind of like the live episodes on Facebook. They're fun. I don't really have to do any editing. And we reach irreverent warriors. And irreverent warriors reach out to us. And it's just it's a great atmosphere for talking and staying out of isolation and, and still getting together through this quarantine thing. Um, I have a bunch of these uh, interviews. They're, they're all lined up to go out. Um, this is the first of many, so that's good. So we have these interview uh, episodes. I'm droning on too long. Uh, we should get on with the interview. So without further ado, Dan Santoro. All right, so uh, you know what? Let's just get into it the way we do all the other shows, and that is, uh, all right, your Air Force. What made you? Where did the seed of of joining the military uh, get planted? Well, my whole family's been in the military, but they were all Marines, and so I initially went in to join the Marines, just like uh, my stepdad and my brother. Uh, But I scored high enough, and my dad was just like, uh, my stepdad was like, "No, go to the Air Force. There's air conditioning. There's water slides. There's everything." That's so funny. Yeah, we hear that, or, or I get that story a lot. I, I come from, it's funny, I come yeah. from a long line of, of Navy, like all the way back to the Civil War. And uh, yeah, I was the first one to, to completely break the tradition. Well, honestly, I would say it would be, um, what are your career thoughts? Yeah, and that yeah. would base your base off your branch. Yeah. If you yeah. want something to do with life and something when you get out, and you find a branch that you can get a job and then it can transfer when you get out. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually something that that uh, I read uh, from Dan here that um, 
you wanted a transferable skill. So yeah, so you ended up joining the Air Force. Where'd you go from there? Uh, from the Air Force, I was a, a B-1 crew chief uh, in Abilene, Texas for about six years. Uh, so when I got out, I, I worked a couple odd jobs before I can get a big boy job. I was working at Northrop Grumman for about two years. And then from there, I took uh, that job and uh, transferred it over to more civilian kind of side, uh, just refurbishing uh, surgical equipment. Okay. The the bone, the B1, did, I assume they were operational, but dude, I never saw one in Iraq. <laughs> I never even heard that. I mean, what do you know what call signs they used to fly under? Uh, they would go when we were deployed, uh, bone. So it'd be bone 2-2, two, two, bone Really? Yeah, I never heard them. Were they mainly in Afghanistan? Yes. Yeah. We were, uh, I think the entire time we just deployed, deployed to Qatar uh, oh, okay. and, and Afghanistan and surrounding areas around there. Are they, are they loud as shit taken off like way louder than F-15? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. The only thing comparable would be, uh, I think the last time we were at like a red flag or something, the F-35 was pretty loud. Okay. Uh, but the B-1, it was like second to none in terms of, uh, in terms of the noise that it's making. Yeah, because I used to, I was at Qatar for like two weeks. I remember sitting at the bra at Qatar, uh, Al-Udeed Al Air Force Base, and someone was taken off on the runway. And how far away, do you, you remember the bra, right, at, at, at uh, Al-Udeed? Oh, yeah. yeah, it was like, what, a mile away from the runway? And, oh, yeah. And it was like thundering in my chest, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell that thing is. It had to have been a bone, right? Yeah, it was it was probably that because the only other things that are Casey, uh, the tankers and cargo yeah, ships. Yeah, just that those but, just whine. They're yeah, but even in Abilene, uh, it's a pretty small town, and you can hear engine runs going at night. And yeah, at any time of the day, you just and you're like, yep, that's that's it. How'd you like it out there, or did you not I, like I, it? I, I hated it. That's yeah. that's the one reason I got out. We got uh, shredded out, uh, and it was just kind of the Air Force needs. I joined to be a, a crew chief. And I was like, yeah, I'll be a crew chief on helicopters. That was my plan. Yeah. And then they went, nope, uh, we got B1s, B2s, and B52s. And then I kept getting shredded out till I was stuck on a B1 just yeah. in Abilene. A lot of people went years. to helicopters. I freaking hate yeah. helicopters. I flew uh, on a helicopter once from Baghdad to Balad, and it was... I, I nah, mm -mm, Nope, not me. <laughs> Unless they had to be medevaced, then that's that's a different story. Um, yeah. So, so your brothers still, they all, did they all go Marines or? Uh, my one brother. Yeah. He was a Marine uh, about the same time I was. And mm -hmm. it was just everything he would say to me just reinforced that I made a good decision. Does he give I you shit? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's half of the comics I do are directed at him and, uh, and my dad. Nice. Nice. Does, do, do they pick up on so it? So much crap. Do they pick up on the comics and they're like, oh yeah, this, I know what he's saying. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I named the one character after my brother. Nice. <laughs> nice. Nothing like that, but uh, um, it was it's all a response to that. In the regards that uh, you had written that you you joined to learn a trade, I, I guess kind of like a quid pro quo. Uh, did the system work for you? Did you learn a trade and you say, "Hey, that freaking that's kind of what I expected"? Yeah, it actually, it did. The Air Force it it actually overtrains you because you get to other places and the the system of training just isn't there, and you're like, "Where? where well, how do I learn this?" No. So it, it worked really well, and that you. The, the end game, I got a skill I could use for the rest of my life if I need to. A crew chief is like the general uh, umbrella, I guess. And then the, the longer you're there, the more you learn, the more you take on other responsibilities and stuff like that. So transitioning, uh, I'll use your quote. You said, transitioning into the civilian world sucked. <laughs> As I went to Northern Illinois State, uh, Illinois State University, 
days after getting my, my DD-214. Uh, real quickly, what was your decision to get out? Uh, the job was awesome. I love the job. I love the people. I hated Abilene, Texas. <laughs> and there was, there was no way to get out of it. So I was like, you know what? I'll see you guys. I tried my best to get out, but... Is that the only place the Bones are, are located? Uh, there's there in Ellsworth in South Dakota. Oh, yeah. So it's like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah so I'll you, take that instead. Yeah. You get hell or ice. Yeah. Wow, that sucks. Um, and how about cross-training to a different airframe? Didn't work. Critically manned. Oh, <laughs> man. For the for yeah. the four Bones that were still left flying, you couldn't go... <laughs> they couldn't get rid of you. How many did they there's have? There's else I could go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we had 30-something between okay. two squadrons. God, it's like, and, I, and I'm not really making fun of you, uh, but it's like, you know, I would see F-30, no, I never saw F-35s, that was before my time, we'd see, we'd see F-22s occasionally, uh, we'd see B-52s occasionally, just because they would hang out at, you know, 500,000 feet in the air, and they would land over in Guam, and then come back and do their missions, but you would hear them, never saw a B-1, never saw a Boeing flying around. <laughs> well, at the air shows, everyone's like, whoa, that's what they look like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah. okay, then back to the, the question. So you transferred out. What what happened? What was the, the it was, you said it was a matter of days, right? Oh, yeah. I got out, uh, and I think I drove home, and then two days later I started school. So I had no time to find a job or anything. So I'm, I'm living on BAH money at that time, trying to find a job and go to school and restart everything. Okay. And uh, it, it just sucked. And so uh, I guess how the whole pizza strike thing starts is uh, my brother was working at Grunt Style at the time. And he goes, hey, they'll hire anyone with a pulse as long as they're a veteran. So I mm -hmm. go, okay, it, it pays nothing, but it's, it's better than nothing, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I get there and I was like, oh, my God, I made the worst decision. I should have stayed in. I should have stayed in. <laughs> and so for, I was there for like four months and I was like, oh, this is terrible. I hate this. And, uh, and then I had an idea. I'm like, what if, what if I did this, but not uh, like in, in such a moto way, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, because every, everyone I knew in the Air Force wasn't this like, oh, I wear a Punisher skull on this. And they're just normal, normal dudes. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, what, what if you make something that's sort of in the same vein, but it's for them instead of like for the, the mo motard, I guess that's where my brother used the, the Marines. The motard? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he said motard all the time. He's like, oh, these these fucking motards, blah blah blah. Is that blah, is blah. that a mix between motivator and retard? Oh, it's it's <laughs> retardedly motivated. It's okay. it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so the Marines the Marines have uh, really good words for things. I found I've I've picked up on because Air Force. The one thing that I regret with Air Force, um, and I'm sure a lot of my my friends, except the CCT friends that I have and PJ friends, but for the most part, you kind of miss out on on the military experience. I mean, you get it, but it's a different thing. And like, like boots, for example, we, we have boots, right? We have boots in the air force. These fresh out of the, uh, Lackland guys that are walking around and they're psyched to be in the military and they got, you know, they're, they're just boots, but we never use that term. And now I hear it. I'm like, that's the perfect fucking term. Oh, yeah. Unless you guys did the, did the enlisted guys use it? Cause in, in my world, it was, it was basically, here's your aircraft. Learn how to fly it the best you can and don't kill anyone and don't pay attention to anything else. You know what I mean? But yeah, did you guys did, did you guys have that experience? When you're very new, uh, we don't have boot. We just say fucking new guy. It'd be FNG. FNG, yeah, yeah. We use that a lot. Yeah, so we'd have that. But other than that, it's it's almost like a complete meritocracy uh, in the Air Force to where if, if you know what you're talking about, it doesn't really matter what rank you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
which I liked. I really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that makes sense. You know how many times my ass was saved because of an 18 year old loadmaster in the back doing his job right? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Or, or the 45 year old lieutenant colonel who was flying uh, as the the uh, aircraft commander that day. You know, it it didn't matter. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, because if if you're 18 years old, but you're putting your nose in the books and everything like that, your opinion matters. And that's like, I really like that about the Air Force uh, in comparison to just uh, what my brother was was uh, experiencing. What did he do? Was he a... Uh, what, what uh, he was an MP, so he was pretty hated. Uh, Every Marine hates MPs. Like all that much. Did, did he send me, did you give him uh, my contact info? I don't believe so. Okay, I got an email from an MP today in the in the Marine Corps, and I was like, "Who's this guy?" He didn't even like. It was no introduction. It was just like a a bio of his of his career, and I'm like, "All oh, right." I wrote back. I'm like, "Cool, dude." <laughs> yeah, Hello. they don't. Th that's one thing uh, to add on to, to what I liked about the Air Force. When you get out, you get that whole uh, TAPS class. They teach you how to be a civilian. Hey, here's this resume. And yeah, then yeah. When my brother got, I'm like. Did, did they not teach you that? And he goes, no, they just kind of went, see ya. Let's, let's talk about that. So, um, and, and, you know, part of the, uh, I'm the podcast for Reverend Warriors and we deal with, you know, people that struggle um, with that transition. That's one of the biggest struggling points. Uh, so I think I had taps, but because I was kind of medically discharged, I don't, I don't remember. Do you know what? Actually, now they say that they sent us over to the army and we had to do the army course. Um, Seps and taps are, are mandatory for all discharges. Okay, okay, so it's it's the same yeah. thing. Yep. Um, but yeah, what? So so what did they do? Were they like telling you how to get into the VA system? And I, I don't remember yeah. anything about it. Yeah, it's a whole week uh, course from what I remember, and it's just like, hey, some of you uh, have been here for twenty years, and you don't know how to have a real job. Mm -hmm. This is how you, they run through LinkedIn with you. They run through everything just to, to get you up to speed with the people you'd be competing with uh, in the civilian world, which was it was awesome. What year did you get out? I got out in 2016, so okay. uh, uh, three and a half years ago, so pretty pretty recently. So pretty new, because when I, when I got out in 07, I think, um, yeah, they didn't talk about any of that. There was no LinkedIn. There was no, it was kind of like, here's yeah. how you, I, I if I remember, I was in a basement over at uh, Fort Bragg, and it was just full of a bunch of salty guys who were just jumping ship. Because if you remember, 07 was like the surge. We had just, I mean, we had four years of just constant deployment. So people were, were running out of the military. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, I don't remember it being a, a pleasant experience. If I, I think I sprained my ankle, and I remember sitting there with ice on my foot. God, who knows? My brain doesn't work anymore. It, that could have been last week for all I remember. Well, I think steps and taps back then as well, because that's when I first, I did my first EAS and then re-enlisted. Re back then, steps and taps weren't, weren't that big of a deal because they figured you'd be getting back in or uh, getting right. out for good, and they didn't care at that point in time. Now that PTSD and everything and homelessness is such a big issue, now steps and taps of people getting out, um, having things to do is more important while combating the homelessness and suicide so okay. it's a big deal now yeah i guess it does make sense i want to I, I i obviously I, I, and you know what? i want to add something there too uh when you look at your comics and for people and we're going to talk about pizza strike here in a minute when you look at your comics i assume that you're just going to be a salty angry person but you're actually very very friendly you're not as salty and angry as oh, i thought yeah. you would be no no I, I i really did love everything about uh the military mm -hmm. i just like 
just to be the the voice just going hey hey what about this what about this uh just making goofs that's that's my whole goal with this is yeah just to be goofy and make people laugh a little bit you're you had you put out a comic that really hit home because we just we just uh had to put a dog down but you compared having a puppy uh, and dealing with all the bullshit of having a puppy and then having an adult dog and the, how it can be a pain in the ass. And then in the end, when you got to go, it's like you don't think about any of that stuff and you just miss it. And you compare that yeah. to being in the military. And that's so true. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As soon as you get out, you're like, oh, fuck. What? what I, I didn't know what I had. Now it's gone. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. Let's see what we can do here. But yeah, it's there's it's pretty easy comparison, I think. I think I was just trying to make a comic. I was like, to my wife, I was like, "What? What's a hard thing?" She's like, oh, "Dead animal." So I, I try to make comics just like off a weird topic and try to make it hit home and and uh, make people make it relatable to people, I guess. Yeah. So you started uh, after Grunt Style. You started Pizza Strike. Now, first off, where'd you get the name? Uh, the name was just something stupid I would yell into a radio anytime they would give me a radio on the flight line. I would just do stupid stuff with it, and so it's like Pizza Strike, burp, 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 calling in. <laughs> Nice. And then it became like a thing, like when we were drunk at a party, like, oh, time to call on a pizza strike. Boop, boop, boop. Called Jimmy John, or not Jim, uh, Papa John's or something like that. Nice. And, and so when I came to pick a domain name and stuff, I was like, ah, pizza strike. It, it doesn't have to make sense. We used to we used to fuck on the radios all the time. We would come in um, and I would do. Yeah. OK, that's a figure of speech, Jeremy, not not literally. <laughs> we would come in and uh, and my job was to call command post and let them know what you know, what we were bringing in, if we had, if we needed maintenance, if we needed, um, whatever, I, that, my job was just 30 minutes coming to an, to an airfield. I have to call them and we would announce ourselves with Marky Mark's good vibrations. So that's awesome. Yeah. So like, it would be like, dun, 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 good vibrations. I should never sing on the microphone, but we'd do that. And then do it again. I'd be like Chrome five, three, Chrome five, three. We are 30 mic out carrying 46 packs. <laughs> and with that in the background, it was a lot of fun with good vibrations. I did it once actually on the net, uh, which was a big mistake. So the net is like in the clear, everyone monitors it. So if like you're going down in flames, you go on the net and you're like, ah, and uh, yeah, I blasted. Uh, no, at the time it was um, World Police over Iraq. Um, so it was like America. Remember that one? That's oh, uh, Team America, World Police. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I blasted America. that over guard. Over Fuck guard. Yeah. So everyone could hear. Everyone. <laughs> and the pilot's like, "Dude, you blasted that out over over guard." I'm like, "That would get me in a lot of trouble." That would get me in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Imagine reading that black box at the end. Oh yeah, yeah. We went, I had a flight once where where people started talking to their wives in the black box, and I'm like, everyone, shut the fuck up. <laughs> We're not gonna die. Last will and testament, right before takeoff. <laughs> the the I can't remember who. I think the engineer is like, honey, uh, and I'm like, stop. <laughs> We're gonna get out of this. The we it was actually that situation we talked to at the beginning. The the radar went out. We're socked into thunderstorms. We're icing right. So the whole aircraft. We're looking out the wings, and it's just rime ice covering everything and we're starting to lose altitude and then our engine catches on fire and it's like we all look up and we see the engine on fire and you're supposed to immediately put it out but well, I we're would like hope so. we're like should we wait and see if it actually is on fire <laughs> at this point like I we mean, don't what, see flames what's the difference right maybe it'll melt some ice true story okay so uh pizza strike let's get into that so uh you came up with the name like where where do you go from there? Do you start with your comics? Do you start with your memes? Do you start with your 
your patches, your morale patches, your t-shirts, where, where, where do you begin? It just started. I saved up a little bit of money going to school and I made a couple runs of, of patches. Uh, I think two of them, the original pizza strike one. And then uh, I think one of the crew chief butts ones or something like that it was one of those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just made a few small runs of those and people seemed to like it as soon as the word got out and uh, it's, it's grown a lot. I think I'm up to, 50 different designs. I got some shirts available and stuff nice. like that. But each of them, I just kind of try to outdo myself every time. Like, like, what can I make that's really offensive that people will like? They are beautifully offensive. I will give you that. <laughs> the, the airborne one, I'm like, I'm looking at the airborne one, which is just a giant penis. And I'm like, where's the hidden thing? Am I supposed to be looking at something else? Or is it really just a giant cock on a, <laughs> on a patch? Nope. Sometimes <laughs> a cigar is just a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, so yeah, and then where do you like if if you asked me, hey Sully, go make a patch for us, I would be like, uh, all right. What, like, did you just Google like how to do patches and stuff? Or yeah, it, yeah, it was just a trial and error type thing. Uh, I would just find people to do it and be like, hey, how much does it cost to make this? And I'm like, okay, oh cool. Uh, and then uh, over the year, I think I've been doing this for a year and a half now. You just uh, you find people that are good at what they do, and then you just stick with them. Yeah. Do they, I, I imagine in the modern age, there must be like a sewing machine that you can hook up to a computer where you can just put your design in and then, and then blanket these things. How's technology, I guess, in that realm? Uh, that I'm not sure. I've seen pictures of them being made uh, and it's just normal embroidery machines. I'm sure they put the vector art in there and it gets all put in, but I, I don't really deal with any of the, uh, that yeah. side of it. What does, um, what does your wife think about the the designs? And I ask that because you know one of the big disconnects between military and civilian is is humor, right? It's like you come up with some messed up shit in your head, and you're like, yeah. "Do I do I share this? Am I a psychopath? Do I?" <laughs> so how does she take it? I don't think she she doesn't get it a hundred percent, but she she's like, "People like this," and then she helps me package orders. She's like, "People are actually buying this. It's an embroidered gay blowjob. Why why are so many people buying this?" Yeah, yeah, it's hard to explain. I went to a fundraiser, and she's like, "Can I go?" I'm like, "All right, let's go." And um, there was these four active duty guys who were, um, I guess they were in the the Q course for for the 75th ranger rich i think they do that down at fort bragg they were in some weird special ops course and we come over to the conversation and they were they were debating whether or not tranny porn was gay and I've had that same exact conversation <laughs> yeah and they're like they're like well there's a penis and there's boobs and straight porn has penises and boobs so i mean why would it be gay and i'm like god damn it you're right and your prognosis would be uh, i'm gonna say it it's not, but it's not for me. I'll, I think okay. that was my conclusion. <laughs> I heard I heard a comedian say once. He's like, he's like, my friend was asking me. He's like, why do you watch tranny porn? And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I like it. And he's like, so you watch like trannies have sex with women? He's like, no, I watch him jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one. Um, I guess you get everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you uh, you make your patches, and then what about the comics? Did did that come next or? Uh, the comics came later. I think I just made one. I, I forget. It, and it was just to make fun of somebody that was, I think it was about a flag coat or something like that. And everyone's on the internet, blah, 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 the flag, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay. So I drew up a comic about 
painting guns on flags or something. It started pretty innocently. Mm-hmm. And then I got a, a good reaction from that. And so it's, I think I'm at like 150 or something of nice. them now later. So it's, it's building and it's always, it's almost always a reaction to, to something I see on social media. Cause I never, I don't watch the news. I don't do anything. I just go on my phone. I'm like, Oh, what are the people bitching about now? And um, I try to just kind of satire it, I guess. It's also a, a really cool way to, to express yourself. Cause it's old, right? Nowadays, everyone wants to produce, you know, videos and be IG, you know, pimps and and there's just so many different ways to do it and that's really an old school way and i i don't want to say it's easier because creativity is freaking hard oh yeah yeah i use uh, procreate and it's usually just me sitting uh on my living room couch just oh, i got this idea and i hammer it out and i post it on later it usually takes a couple hours that's perfect and how do um how are people how are people receiving it i think people get the joke mm-hmm. um and some some I guess there's like certain uh, subjects that are sort of taboo to make fun of. Like I love making fun of gun control. I'm as two way as they come. I love I love the Second Amendment and everything like that. But just to get under these people's skin, it, it's so easy and fun <laughs> for me that I constantly come off as some uh, tree hugging liberal kind of guy. Just because it's like I, I put out one little tiny drawing and it ruffles everyone's feathers. Well. It's like the greatest, best thing ever. Yeah, well, the, the problem is people don't have, people are afraid to have a sense of humor and they're afraid to, I don't know, think outside the box. We're very tribal now. So, you know, if you say something like, if you're poking fun at it or you're you're doing anything like that, yeah, I could see I could see how people come after you. And have you gotten any hate? Have people like, is it just been comments or have people, you know, I don't know, reached out any other way being like, dude, shut up. What are you saying? Oh, it's just mostly comments uh, on Facebook, Instagram, things like that. Yeah. And it's the same thing you would get anywhere else. It's just directed at me for drawing Dan, Dan Crenshaw or something. Yeah, like we that. actually, we just pulled that one up right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's just something like, it took. It takes me 20 minutes to just hammer that out. And it just pisses people off. And I, I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, so I, it's... I, it kind of seems like... I feel like you should have like a more of a nuanced approach to it. Um, moving right along. Oh, okay. Next question is, uh, considering that a lot of this stuff is, and I'm going to use air quotes, offensive, um, mm-hmm. do you get any hate from civilians? Are you getting any like, uh, have the uh, SJWs gone after you? Has the social media been like, hey, you might want to pull this down or anything like that? Not so much with the comics. Uh, but I started doing a thing about a year ago where I would just take uh, a unit's patch or their design and I would draw it in some offensive sort of way. Uh, and every few months I get a message like, hey, that's super offensive, blah, 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 blah. But you just, I just go, well, they liked it. They asked me for it. You just get bent, basically. First yeah, Amendment. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Unless you're fringing, I guess, do right? Do, do you, are you yeah. well versed in the um, copyright laws? No, no, not at all. <laughs> so you just take a shot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Nice. I think it was the the ninth bomb squadron. Uh, I drew a patch to where it's just uh, a numer a Roman numeral nine, and I drew it was just some dicks that made a, a nine, nice. and they got real bent out of shape about that one. Like, I got like an essay in my email. I'm like, oh man, sorry. <laughs> That's perfect. What um, do you want me to do? Are you? I guess this is going to be obvious, but maybe it's not. Is your audience strictly military and veterans, or have you found that you're getting 
I don't know, weekend warriors and airsoft people and, and civilians going your route? I would say it was mo- mostly uh, military and ex-military. Okay. Yeah. Um, now let's get a little a little deeper into the weird stuff. But, okay, are, are veterans and civilian, are their worlds mutually exclusive? Meaning, can a civilian ever understand the mindset of a veteran? Or can a veteran ever return to the civilian world? Like, that didn't happen and, and kind of go back to where things were. From my experience, which is very, like we were saying, Air Force is like military light. Um, I, I would say from my experience, yes. I mean, the whole time you're there, they that's what they're teaching you. They're how to be a productive member of this, this little group. Um, so what you do is you just take all that lesson, you just take it to the outside world. And it is different, but as, as long as you go in with an open mind, I, I don't see any problem. Hmm. Uh, coming up with that okay yeah i would i don't know how i would look at it uh i would say my experiences were were different than the typical well it was typical air force right my role as a veteran i I, this is gonna this is kind of tricky to to say but like i'll be sitting there and be like did i do enough right did i do enough as a veteran we all have our roles and they all are very important but I, I still do to this day. I'm like, did I do enough? Uh, do you ever get that that feeling? No, no. I think I, I coming into the uh, the military, I think I had a completely different uh, point of view. Like I went in with a mission to learn something, and that was my goal: learn something, have some fun, get out. Because um, there's a lot of people like that that kind of I think they either stay in or they're forced out of the military, and you know the uniform it's got an expiration date you're, you're not going to wear it forever so i think in the back of your mind you kind of should know that eventually you got to reintegrate somehow yeah um and it becomes uh your responsibility because I, I mean sort of like i, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn or anything like that but that's kind of always just how i saw it yeah i guess there's a bit of maturity there with your your motivations for joining i mean mm-hmm. when i joined it was right around September 11th. And I was like, let's go fuck shit up. And, and, and I, in the back of my mind, I wanted to, I I wanted to destroy the people that destroyed us. And then, Mm -hmm. and then, yeah, I mean, I know I did my job and everything, but it's still, it's one of those, I guess they would call it survivor's guilt. But I think a lot of veterans look at their job and look at what they did and and wonder, you know, could I have done more? And I don't know. And, And I think that's actually an interesting, um, concept that you brought up I haven't really thought about it that way that if you go in saying this is what my expectations are and this is Mm -hmm. what I'm doing it for then what you know you have nothing but especially if you if you finished and you accomplished Mm -hmm. everything you set out to finish then you leave being like oh right great we did that that was good I think generations check that box good to go I think generations of military kind of differ with that too being that those who joined at the height of a war you know, they start, you went in with, you got, you're going to fight, you're going to fight, you're going to fight. Whereas you join when it's not during a wartime and you're going in to do a job and you go home. So it's, you kind of get that, diff, you get, you differentiate between a whole combat generation and now a non-combat generation to where mm-hmm. you join the military, it's for a career. You joined back in 2002, 2001, 2003, like myself, you're going to war. Mm-hmm. That was right. what you're doing. So I think there's a big, a big difference between generations when it comes to that. Right. And even with this generation, I think there's something weird going on where it's sort of a mix of the two. 
to where I was, I was in the Air Force for six years, and you could almost barely tell we were at war. I mean, right. we'd go somewhere else to f- launch some jets, but there's such a, a disconnect, I think, between the actual, like, I'll say the warfighter and then the normal people. Like, you don't know. And between that and then civilians, no one knows. I, I don't think anyone really cares, which is depressing some of the time. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, I want to talk about that, too. You said that no one, you felt when you went to college that, you know, he, here you are, you were an NCO and you were in charge of so many people. And now you're at school and no one gives a shit what you did. Um, yeah. let's, let, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, it was the most uh, frustrating because every once in a while in the Air Force some new 18 year old kid would come in and you could be like, ah, shut up. You don't know shit. But now you're surrounded by 60 of them and they're just da, 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 da. And you're like, okay, I'm just going to shut up and, and do, uh, do my job here. Cause there were definitely some, some people, uh, like the comics I draw, like, ah, back in a bag room. Uh, and like, this is economics. This has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. Were you now, have you grown as, as a person meaning like, were you at one point, that bearded, angry uh, bro vet in the back of the classroom, or did you always kind of just have this, uh, or, or did you just kind of go with the flow, I guess? Yeah, I have a really kind of laissez-faire attitude when it comes to that, because I would see, I went to a couple, like there was a veterans council thing, just because I didn't know anybody. So I went to that and I'm like, oh no, this is terrible. I, I, I just didn't vibe, I guess, there, because it was mostly the same type of people, like the the typical bro vet, I guess. And yeah. I was like, Ugh, I'm going home, I guess. <laughs> I, it, I, my experience was, and again, I wasn't in a healthy place. So I was <laughs> just angry. I was bearded. I was sitting in the back. It was a grad, yeah. it was a master's course. I went to PA school and I, you know, I, I, I regret that because I studied my ass off and I graduated top of the class. That part was good, but I had 33 other people in my class I don't keep in touch with them. They probably thought I was the biggest asshole that ever walked the yeah. earth. And, and I look back and I'm like, man, if I had if I had, had a little bit of insight in thinking, you know, just accepting that, okay, my experiences are one thing and a 24-year-old's experiences who didn't go into the military and didn't experience mm-hmm. Iraq is something else. And, and my experiences are no better than theirs. Um, and, and what a bad day for me in Iraq... Uh, might be worse than for them, but they have no, there's no yardstick for them to gauge that. Right. Their bad day is their cat died three years ago. And, and it's just <laughs> as, just as tragic. So it's like, yeah, you, you know, you just have to kind of figure that out. And then once you do, it makes things, it, it really makes that, that angry vet guy, it makes it kind of go away. Cause you're like, Oh, okay. You're having a bad day and, and it's bad for you. And, and I get it. Yeah. It, there's just, you got to kind of see a little bit of yourself in those people too. Some, Cause you're like, Oh, well, this, maybe that's all he's talking about because that's the best time he's ever had. And that's kind of what I, yeah, how I deal with like, okay, well, I'll let you talk. I'll talk to you like that kind of. Um, but I, I, I didn't like it all that much. It was just me and then a couple army guys and then 30 to 40 other 18 year olds in <laughs> yeah. classes. And I was like, oh no. And I think I joined when I was 22. So I was. I was almost 30 going to like freshman level college courses. So I was like, Oh, this, this is not fun. Dude, you were, you were the living meme that you always see. Like, uh, there's a bunch out there where it shows the bearded guy. That's just like, yep. fuck this shit. I <laughs> can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was the biggest misconception you had about service? Um, I don't know if there was any misconceptions. Uh, I was always, uh, uh, 
I'm not I'm not really sure uh, if I have a really good answer for that. Okay. Uh, I thought it would all mostly be like uh, my brother because he we joined at the same time. Uh, he did five years, I did six, so they all overlapped. We went to basic training at the same time. Um, I thought it'd be more like uh, like a Marine Army type thing, uh, and so I joined the Air Force and it was like a nine to five job, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I expected a little bit more of like the the militaries, whatever that that means. Um, but it was it was like working for any other corporation except you're wearing green tiger stripes for some reason. Yeah, I miss those. Uh, I actually I only I mean I had to wear that stupid leisure suit, but other than that, it was flight suits, so that was pretty cool. And we got to we got to do the cool guy stuff with the NVGs and assault landings out in the woods and stuff. So. <laughs> I'm glad I got that aspect, and and we got to work with a bunch of different branches, like the seals and stuff, and the the green berets. So the the flying side, it it was a little different. Um, but you know, when you when you went in, like if you weren't flying and you went to your desk job, yeah, I mean, it was like office space. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much what it was. And especially working uh, with you and I did, we didn't see anybody because no one really su- supports the bombers or anything like that. So I think uh, in the entire time I was in, I saw maybe uh, some Navy guys, and that was it. That's funny. other than my unit. Yeah, it's it's so. I guess in, on the flight line, or we can say in operations, Air Force operations in in general, because I would I would put crew chief of uh, B one. I would put that in the operations side. Did you guys fall under the op op wing? No, we were under maintenance. Okay. But still, I mean, you deploy and you're you are you're working directly with the the operations field versus if you were in services, or if you were in finance, or if you were in I I don't like if I joined the military and found myself in Air Force finance shop, like you would get zero military experience out of that. I mean, yeah. like, that would be that'd be my worst nightmare. I think. I think it would. And then those people stay in for 20 years and don't get hurt. So, I mean, there's, there's a give and take, I guess, with a little bit of it. You're right. Like you're if right. you're, if you're joining for that purpose, like ah, I'm going to do 20 years, push some paper and collect a check. Yeah. I had, I have a neighbor. He did 20, I want to say he did like 30 years. No, no, no. He did, he did uh, over 20 years in the air force. And I was like, Oh sweet. what did you do? He played guitar in the air force band at the air force Academy. I was like, I, I was like, where, where else did you go? He's like, no, we were just there. I'm like, for 20 freaking years. Yeah, yeah, I played guitar, jazz guitar. I'm like, all right, thank you for your service. <laughs> that, wow. That's a sweet gig. Yeah. He's like, you know, we travel around, we play all over the place. I'm like, that's, that's unreal. I'm like, what rank were you? Yeah, he yeah. had to stop and think. He's like, I don't, I think I got out as a, I'm like, you think? It was like not even important for them. No, no, you're just hanging out playing guitar. What yeah, you that's that nine to five job he was talking about. That's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there is a question I, I I skipped over, and I want to get your assessment on because I think it's important. Sure. A, a lot of guys, a lot of veterans, a lot of people that listen, you know, they're they're trying their own t-shirt shops, they're trying their own uh, little veteran entrepreneurship, veteranpreneurships. All right, this weird business model where you're, there's no brick and mortar, right? And everything is viral marketing, marketing through memes, marketing through social media. How did you navigate that? I'm, I'm assuming that there's no books on this yet, right? You're, you're not, it, it's a completely different world. And if you don't play the game right, you fall flat on your face. Uh, how do you navigate that? Where do you even begin? Do you just start making memes and saying, oh, I hope this works? Yeah, yeah, it's it's that's pretty much it. You you throw some shit at the wall, hope some of it sticks. 
I guess for me, it was just, I tried, you see what everyone's doing and it's almost always exactly the same. It's like, uh, you try to be some lifestyle brand, like the most badass sort of dude. Yeah. When 90% of people aren't that badass dude. Like, so I just like to, I, I, it's all trial and error, but I think at the heart of it, it's just being honest and trying to be funny. Uh, I think that's it. Just honesty. I, that's what I would think I'd like to bring. Do you think the market, that whole, like, um, we'll just, we'll just, you know, call a spade a spade. Do you think the Matt Best, Black Rifle Coffee, T-shirt, Range 15, do you think that market's saturated or do you think there's room for growth in it? I think it's pretty saturated, but there's always room for you to carve out your own little space. And I think that's, uh, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to, you have to realize and, and. I, I think a lot of millennials and, and I'm by no means picking on you with this, but I think a lot of millennials, they see the success of people, you know, on Instagram and you mm-hmm. know the Black Rifle Coffee group. And they're like, that's what I'm going to do. And, and it's almost to the extent of you, you got a six year old kid that's playing T-ball and they're like, hey, what are you going to be when you grow up? I'm going to be, you know, Alex Rodriguez. And it's like, yeah. all right, a six year old, you, you entertain that. But, yeah. you know, a 30 year old, you got to be like all right whoa (laughs) let's focus this a little bit here and so like i I guess to keep yourself from feeling defeated do you just like how do you measure your success how do you measure goals do you say okay i'm gonna try to sell these many units and i'm gonna try to market to this many people and if i reach those people and reach those units that's a success right now and then make your next benchmark is that how you would do it and i'm just pulling that out of my ass uh, for me, I'm just hoping to break even and make people laugh. And I've, I've been doing that uh, pretty well. Uh, that's it. Like, uh, if I don't make one cent off this, it's, it's been fun. That's cool. That's a great way to think about it. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with Irreverent Warriors? Yes. Yes, I am. Cool. Have you done a silky hike? No, no. That's not my style, I don't think. Oh, man. You have no <laughs> idea what you're missing. You're missing out, man. You are missing out. If it's uh, Where are you located? I'm in Chicago, just outside of Chicago. Okay. We have a hike in Chicago. When? When, Jeremy? See, Jeremy's uh, he's the producer in training, so okay. this would be one of his jobs. Marty uh, Jeremy, Bruce. pull it up on the computer here. I'm bringing it up right now. <laughs> Chicago is actually coming up pretty soon. Hold the shit here. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put on your snowshoes and your parka. Yeah, and some shorts. Is there, maybe oh, there's not one in there's Chicago? there's not one in Chicago this year. Detroit. Oh, it is January or June twenty seventh. June twenty seventh. So June twenty seventh. I'm gonna hound you now that I have your your cell phone number. I'm gonna be like, dude, June twenty seventh is coming up. Uh, you made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. But I think do you want? I think we should work out something. I'll cover the costs. We need to work out like a twenty one gun patch. That would be fucking sweet. That'd be awesome. I can hand them out. I mean, maybe not big dicks on it. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, why not? Maybe a, a, a full salute, man. Full twenty-one gun salute, man. <laughs> How about a like a play on um, a brovet podcast? Which there's there's a, there's a couple of them out there. Um, oh, there's two, there's more than a couple. I know, I know. I'm, I'm <laughs> we got to get you with your jeans and the 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 combat shoes and the vest and the beard. You got to get that. That's we got to get you they on. They called there. me the other day. They called me. What was it? it I didn't think that was correct. Uh, hipster. Oh yeah, Murray hipster because you wear the vest. But it's a vest. Is a vest a hipster thing, Dan? I have no idea. <laughs> like I, I assume. Well, you're up in Chicago, so vest would be like that's summer. That's summer attire for you. So basically, imagine a hoodie without the sleeves. 
I didn't think that was yeah, hipster. That's okay, then. Yeah, that, that sounds like cool. something to work right. out in. Stick up for your Air Force uh, brethren there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I was lucky because uh, I ran another podcast, uh, which was more like, it was like the poor man's Joe Rogan. And I, I would get a lot of his old guests. Like, they would go on his show, and then I would attack them. And they'd come on my show. And it, it actually built me a, a decent base. And uh, But I stopped that because it was a ton of work for not a lot of money. And then... I had the skill to podcast, so I just kind of came up with this veteran podcast, and I'm like, man, I'm in a sea of a lot of people. Like, how am I going to get anyone to listen to this? And I was lucky enough to find the Irreverent Warriors, and they have a you know a built-in audience, and they they had no no podcast. I'm like, well, shit, I can podcast, so I just I just went up there and I pitched to them like, let me be your podcast. I'll get veterans on. They'll tell their stories. It'll be different stories. People can connect with. Maybe they can't. And, and I don't know. The rest is history. So that, that freaking worked out. And you know what? As many veterans as you have, each one of them has a different story. And I want to hear them all. That's why I sit at work and I just put podcasts on and I just listen to people's nice. stories. Like no matter what quality it is. But everyone's got a cool story. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I found. Like I, I have a lot of people that are like, no, I don't want to talk. I don't have a story. And I'm like, if you just... It just come on and we'll have a conversation and something profound will come up. And if it sucks, I'll just edit it down to make it sound good. <laughs> Technology is a great thing. Yeah. Well, man, uh, where can folks find your comics, find your, your morale patches and, and all that stuff? Uh, well, they can get me uh, at pizzastrike.net is the store and on Instagram. It is at pizza strike. Okay, cool. Yeah, and that's all you really need to do. I went over to your... I found that... Oh, that's probably the same. I was going to say, I, I flipped through your Facebook, uh, but I would assume Instagram has all the same stuff your your Facebook Oh, has. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it just gets reposted over there. Cool. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for being the first Air Force guy to come on and uh, talk about, I guess, entrepreneurship in the, in the 21st century uh, and, and making your transition from active duty to to the quote real world yeah it was a pleasure man thank you all right cool you take care and, I, and I'll, I'll let you know i'll give you a heads up when this is um all edited and, and up and all that okay all right sounds awesome man all have right. a good one and, and and i'm serious about that patch i'm gonna contact you and, and work something i'll cover the cost don't worry about that um, yeah no problem but uh yeah i think that would be cool to to have at least patches i can just you know give out and i'm not gonna sell them because i'm non-profit but um yeah, I think yeah they're, cool. they're not expensive either. I'll, we can do it at cost and cool. it'll be cool. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. You have Take a good care. night. Bye. You do the same. Thank All you right. very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>